Hello and welcome to the Feral Fawcett, a podcast for curious creatives. I'm Feral. And I'm Fawcett. Today we are going to be talking about teaching, timing, multitasking, nudies, neuropathways, and excessive hammering. The challenges, the crushes, the highs, and the lows of leading an artistic life. Unless we get distracted. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to A Brush in Both Hands, how to do more than just one thing you love with the one thing you just love to do. Dun, 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 dun. Um, I'm Farrell, a visual artist and musician. And I'm Fawcett, an author and musician. And tonight, it's date night. We are hooking up with Gabriel Lipper. He's a very good friend of mine and a painter extraordinaire. He's a professional artist for almost 30 years. Am I aging you, Gabriel? Tiny bit, but but definitely very close to 25. He looks like he's been painting professionally for 30 years. He <laughs> is a former studio mate, a teacher of thousands of students, um, and me. Mm -hmm. And me. Yes, we have both taken classes with Gabriel. Um, he inspires me in how he teaches and in how he paints. Uh, he's a keen observer in the way he handles... Uh, well, everything, the way that he interprets the world, the way that he handles paint. And um, I love the, his way of seeing. He uses live models. And and you've been one of those models. Is that correct? I have been one of those models. Nudie? Nudie model? I am usually clothed. <laughs> uh, yeah, very Although if you've seen the paintings, ones. there's not a lot of not a lot of clothing, but no. beautifully, beautifully clothed. <laughs> Perfectly. Yeah. Perfectly clothed. Um, and today we are going to talk to him about the challenges of balancing his personal creativity and the work he does as a teacher. Welcome, Gabriel. We're glad to have you with us here. If you hear some banging outside, it's there's there's some work being done on, on, on a right next to the studio. So you might hear a little hammering. Just a warning. Uh, so... Farrell, obviously. But don't focus on it. Yeah, don't focus on it. Uh, so Farrell obviously knows you really well. And you and I have right. had an intimate weekend at a painting workshop. Um, but I just have to ask you right off the bat, who are you? Wow. I mean, what? A, okay. Thank you. First of all, thank you for such a lovely introduction. And then just drop the big question. That's great. I don't really. Uh, okay. I'll answer that um, as I do circularly. I think the reason that I paint first and foremost is to sort that out, to figure out who I am. And it's a, it's an ongoing process. So I, I wouldn't say that I have a, um, there's no definitive, this is who I am. And that's not because I'm lost. It's just because I like to stay open to the possibility that uh, there's more. Ooh, that's a good answer, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to give you another warm-up question. Just, you know, get... Yeah, just throw working. me these softballs right now. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, which is, what is your earliest memory of art making? Um, wow, I think I... I mean, I started really early. I've, I've been doing drawing and painting forever, but, but the one that sticks out for me um it's two there's it's twofold one was after i saw purple rain 
at eight years old. And my mom realized she may have made a mistake uh, taking me to the theater. And she had me um, sort out my, my experience on paper with pens and, and, uh, and pencils. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, so, so that's, that's probably a standout. Um, and then, and then the other one I think would be making play dwarves with my father when I was a little kid. We made these um, bejeweled clay dwarves, and I was certain that they would come to life the next day. They were so detailed, and and I remember being extremely disappointed when they did not. That sounds like some magical thinking. I love it. Yeah, and I, actually, I was going to follow up with, um, and I just wasn't patient enough because. Um, since then, a lot of what I have focused on in my artwork has found its way into my into my life. And it's pretty incredible. Do you work in any other genres than painting right now? Podcasts are a specialty of mine. <laughs> I've done I've done Obviously. four. <laughs> um podcasts, no, not as much. I'm working on that. Um I, I really like painting and drawing. That's been kind of my specialty. I, I like to sculpt also. I've, I've done quite a bit of sculpture, but uh, nowhere near as much as my good friend Robin, Feral Nifty, who is extremely talented and um, and, and, uh, and an international award-winning sculptor. Oh, stop it. Well, um, but I, yeah, I'm hoping to get there. back to Lumor. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I mean, I if you've won an international award, you might as well drop it in there, you know, mm-hmm. yes, or two. That's why I've, that's why I've got you. Um, I was our topic. Now I'm all now I'm all flustered. Uh, our topic today is how to balance the energy output that is required for teaching. And you do a lot of that. And you still maintain energy for your personal artwork. And I'm curious about how you balance that that energy and, and have enough left for yourself, but enough to really support the people that you are supporting. Um, you know, that's, that's a tough question because it doesn't always feel balanced. There's times when, you know, there's, there's a huge workload and you feel the pressure of that and the stress. And then there are other times when there's, there's quiet and, and nothing's going on. And I feel like maybe there's less of those times these days. Um, I think the secret for me, and this isn't attainable for everybody. I think I, I got really fortunate here was I was, I was looking at, um, Parsons school of New York right out of high school, um, to go and study fine art. And I ended up studying with a classically trained Russian here in the little valley of Ashland, Oregon, Southern Oregon, Rogue Simeon. Valley. Simeon Bilms. Yeah. Yep. And he was, a, he was a graduate of Parsons. So he knew the New York world intimately and he'd had a lot of fun over there, but he, um, he talked my language at the time, which was um, a bit more, a solid foundation and something that was a bit more tangible besides shaking hands and taking names and so I found myself living in a small town that doesn't have a lot of distraction and it's allowed me to keep uh, grounded and solid 
and it and then my my vacation my distraction becomes the art and that keeps me coming back right and what's kind of cool is you are a man of the small town but you have an online program that so just to clarify for anyone that doesn't know who Gabe is, he's got an online program that um, has students from all over the world. Um, I actually coached with you and uh, mm-hmm. there's people from New Zealand and Australia and South Africa and the Netherlands and England, lots of France, English, right? Germany, France, yeah. Germany, uh, yeah. Spain. Yeah. So there yeah. was people from all over the world. Uh, so small town man, Canada, uh, a lot of people from Canada yes. up there. Very important <laughs> that we mention that. Very cold people it in is. Canada. We're there painting to keep warm. Um, so uh, you you have this small town approach, but are making a, a big reach. And I just want to ask you uh, what it is that that draws you to teaching. Could you speak to to that? Uh, initially, you know, I I didn't teach for a long time, and I remember having. Um, what what brought me to it was one of my major patrons had a daughter and he said, I'd really like you to, to teach my daughter. And I thought, Oh, okay, I will. And it turned out to be a really rewarding experience when I started to see her um, learning and shifting and growing as an artist, I realized that I had something to offer and it wasn't just the paintings that I was doing. Were you reluctant at first? Very. Yeah. I was, I was very reluctant. And then it became something that I felt almost, um, this is going to sound maybe hokey, but it almost feels like a, a sort of tithe. Like you have this thing that you have been allowed in life to do and it's fantastic and you love it. But if you don't give something back, what do you, what is it? And, and the, the teachings, the teachings, a way of doing that. I don't think it sounds hokey. You're talking to two teachers. So we're both going to be like, we both are desperate to share things all the time uh, in in the teaching capacity. So Catherine teaches uh, violin to the numerous, numerous kids. Mm -hmm. And I, I just teach anyone who will listen anything like, Oh, I found this pencil and you can do this with it. You've taught me a lot, Robin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've totally, (laughs) well, thank you about the pencil and how you can. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because I'm curious about how teaching has changed your creative output. Like, do you see a difference in your personal work because you teach? Well, this is where it shifted for me, too, because I think initially when I was teaching, I would teach, um, you know, how I learned. And it felt like I was going backwards. I would be teaching from the beginning, which, of course, you should. But I would be teaching through this lens of um, what the instructor should say. And now I teach what I'm learning. I, I've put, put that on the forefront. And now when I'm teaching, I'm, I'm, it forces me to lean in and continually grow in order to lead. And that's a different way of teaching. I wasn't, I wasn't enamored with teaching when I started because I've, I think I was holding myself back when teaching intentionally and it, and it, probably wasn't serving anybody. Now when I teach, I'm, I'm right on the edge of my skis. Hopefully the good edge. I, hopefully. So what you're teaching right now is the actual work that you're doing personally. It's not uh, 
the sort of simplified version or the beginning version of, of where you got is actually what you're doing it's, in your own studio? It's, it's both. You have to consider the student mind. And that means um, start from the beginning and be clean and clear. And even as a, as a, a professional, I recognize when a teacher is doing that and how much I, I appreciate it because we all need to be reminded of how we get there. So whether you're a beginner or, or a professional, I think there's, it's important to tell the whole story, but also make it connect it to what your thoughts are. Like, you know, what was I thinking about today? Well, this, I was thinking about this. And if that feels a little out of somebody's um, wheelhouse, you can bring it back in. And that's because of this, these steps. So it's both. It sounds to, to me like the, uh, the teaching actually really enhances your, your personal creative work and gives you opportunity to reflect and deepen it. Is that true? Absolutely. It, it keeps me accountable. I mean, when you're working with, you know, we, we work with an international audience of really talented people. Um, and then we also work with, you know, beginners. And I, I'm not using the royal we. Robin's worked with me. There's a lot of people on my team that are amazing people, but uh, it's like you you better show up um, for these people, and you do a good job because there are artists in that in that group that are are extremely talented and need to be met, and there are also be beginners who um, have to have to know that you care enough to slow down and, and, you know, walk with them for a bit. And I think that that's just opened my, my art wide up. And I've seen an evolution in my art in the last three to four years that I hadn't seen before. So, I mean, you, I don't know. I, yeah, I know that that's true. Actually. I do know that. <laughs> yeah. I find that if I don't have something to be accountable to, then, I mean, I certainly couldn't just be accountable to myself. Right. I really need that external element and, um, and I enjoy that external element and I want to share. Um, and so it becomes more of a conversation than, than this, this one, one person dialogue or this one insecure dialogue essentially with my art. You know, I really like the feedback back and forth. There's a lot of people now uh, that are wanting to teach, right? It's a very natural thing that when you do something like art, people really, when they really appreciate it, they really want to learn. And so um, it's, it's a very natural thing to be pairing. And I was curious if you had advice for people that are looking at doing such a thing. One of the most important things that you can do as a teacher, and I guess this is just what I was talking about, is, is um, really being honest about who you are and and where you're at rather than trying to, um, you know, put yourself like, you know, establish some kind of teaching authority or put yourself on a box. I don't think that that helps. And, and a lot of times when we're just getting started out, we might have that imposter syndrome or that fear of failure. And um, so we tend to puff ourselves up and that's, I think it's a mistake because what I've realized is, is the more authentic I am with people, um, the more they can actually, the, the more they feel comfortable learning from me. They, they get that I'm a, a real person um, who's gone through this instead of um, trying, to, trying to pick my way through the facade. 
So if, if people want to see your work, I know your paintings are in galleries and private collections around the world. Um, and there are links to your website in our show notes. Um, but I am, uh, pretty excited about this free online workshop that you have coming up. Can you tell us a bit about that? Uh, yes. (laughs) Thanks. I, I do. I'm really, I'm really excited about it too. Um, the workshop is called create art that shines and it's a three-day workshop, February 3rd, 5th and 7th. Uh, And we're going to be diving into a lot of, um, what we've just been talking about, which is my process, the things that I've been distilling over the last 25 years in my work. Um, and and just touching on some of the the major principles that make uh, it possible to merge representational work where you can tell a story uh, with abstraction, which is tends to be a little less narrative, um, and 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 what that allows for in our work. Imagine coming to your painting without freezing up, without getting out the little brush, feeling loose feeling excited but feeling comfortable and spontaneous and that's that's the the walk i'm on with my work is that idea of spontaneity and and excitement and loose um loose brushwork bright bold color or subdued color but but having the tools in hand to be able to do whatever you want we're both just dumbstruck do you hear the the, the length of that silence there that's right. I, no, I just heard a hammer. <laughs> oh, shit. It's, it's actually, that hammer is going directly into my skull right now. And I just, I'm twitching every time it hits. I'm uh, a, I'm, I, that, your description of your, of your um, teaching is so exciting for me. And I'm really not a visual artist, uh, a, a musician and a writer. And, uh, but I, I, I do love to hack away at painting and, and drawing now and then. And I just, I want to ask you, before we say goodbye, I want to ask you a quick question about um, multidisciplinary art. And, you know, do you, do you work with people who come from other genres and they can bring something different? Or do you, do you find, I don't even know what my question is here, but I'm not a painter. I'm a different kind of artist. Yeah. Can I still do yeah. what you're talking about? Absolutely. And and the real, the, the long answer there, you know, you started out by saying you're not a visual artist, but then you start talking about writing and music. And because I am a visual artist, the first thing that I think of when I think of writing or, or music is um, the pictures that they create in my mind. So they're all so, so interlinked. And I know that the I've been doing some writing over the last couple of years and I, and it's completely transformed the way that I paint. So, and I, in a, and at first it's not really easy to identify how, but you're, you know, your synopses are firing. <laughs> you're, you're making some new neuro pathways in there and, and, it, and it's rounding out the experience. So I think a, a, a beginner, uh, a beginner's mind is, is precious. That's like the, that's the best place to, to be as an artist is we're all trying to either get from beginner's mind into understanding or back to beginner's mind from understanding. I think I got to shovel some snow off my neural pathways and uh, get out a paintbrush. 
Actually, I think this is a good opportunity to actually invite you back for a different conversation, which I've wanted to have, which is how writing supports the visual arts. Because, you know, when you think of a painting um, that's not titled versus a painting that is titled, you know, how much does that title influence what's going on with what you see? Oh, topic idea. Topic, new topic. New exactly. Uh, um, yeah. 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 And I think that it's a really, um, really interesting. And then beyond that, so that's just the title. And, and a lot of artists realize they got to create a title. And so they do that. But um, I've been part of work that has full paragraphs or poetry. And it's not that art speak. That's the self-indulgent thing that we seem to think we have to do for artists. You know, the um, the artist wanted to explore the blinks not a universe that go to the butter box. And I mean, they, they have an app for that now. So we don't even have to do that anymore. You can just, just, you know, art speak it. Boom. Yeah, let them, boom. let them sort it out if they want to read that on the side of the, on the side of the painting. Yes. And for example, I wrote a poem and my very good friend, Diane Hanna, a photographer that I work with regularly, worked on an image that she built around that particular piece of writing. And I think that both the piece of writing and the image are stronger for that relationship, for the marriage between the two of them. But we are not talking about this right now. This is just a little bit of an idea. I mean, we and might, we might. And we are planting <laughs> seeds. Yes, we might, but on a podcast in the near future. Yeah, I love that. I was just speaking with someone who, actually we were exchanging emails, so I guess that's a written conversation, but she was talking about um, how she writes her intention on the canvas before she starts the painting. Ooh. And wow, right? Yeah. And she spends some time with it. She writes her intention and then she paints over it. And rarely are any of those words seen by the viewer, but but they're in there. Wow. And does she paint the intention, meaning this is the meaning of the painting, or does she paint the words like, this is going to be a perfectly executed figure. I guess that 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 goes back to personality, right? That's it does. <laughs> we did this exercise recently in in the abstracting the floral workshop where um, we had to paint from memory, and my so I, I tried to write down as much as I could see about this this flower, and uh, I was surprised at how analytical my that process was for me. It was not emotive. I was disappointed. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah. plug for us one more time. Just let us know about this free workshop because I know there's lots of people that want to be there. Again, can you tell me the dates one more time? Yeah, so the dates are February 3rd, 5th, and 7th. And uh, the time is 10.30 Pacific to 12 Pacific. You can, we'll, we'll have a link uh, on, on the podcast um, and you can sign up uh, and... Um, I, yeah, I'd love to see you there. Awesome. We'd love to see you there. Thank you so much for being our first guest on date night. Awesome. I was, I was, I'm overwhelmed. No, I know you've always I, wanted to date two women. I, well, it's, it's, a, it's been a beautiful thing. I mean, I guess I wasn't wrong. <laughs> Thank you both. <laughs> Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye, Gabe.